in Tulsa, Oklahoma, there's a church that every year they do a great Christmas celebration. They do uh, Christmas lights and uh, they have animals and all kinds of things that happen uh, there. A couple of years ago, uh, as they were about to begin, a hundred teenagers showed up and uh, began to disrupt the service. They started multiple fights and other problems. Police were dispatched uh, when the firefighters couldn't get into the area to respond to a medical issue. Eventually, uh, a call went out, all available units. That means every police officer in Tulsa, Oklahoma, was called uh, together to this church to respond what had turned into a massive brow, uh, brawl. By the end of it, officials had to shut down the entire event because all of the equipment had been destroyed. Merry Christmas, right? Here's a great picture for you and I. And here are Christians. Here's a church. They are trying to celebrate Christmas, but there's an attack on the celebration. But you know, it's interesting. If you go all the way back to the Bible story of Christmas, that is exactly what the Christmas story was. It wasn't all peace and joy and happiness. It actually was. Uh, this is a repeated story for all of history, is that when people are celebrating the birth of Jesus, there is an attack to try and damage or ruin Christmas. I want to minister this morning a message called Christmas Survival out of Matthew chapter 2. You can read with me beginning in verse 7. It says, Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go, search carefully for the young child. And when you found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it came and stood over them, uh, over where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And verse 12. Then being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. Christmas survival. Let's talk first for a moment about the Christmas mixture. Now, Christmas is a time that is supposed to be of great joy. In verse 10, it says, When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. They were rejoicing that the Messiah was born. Christmas is the idea or the story of God entering into our lives. It's the idea that God loves us so much that He's willing to come down and pay for our sins. Matthew 1 21, the angel told Mary, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from his sins. You know, you and I can't do good or right on our own. How many of you know that? Four of you. This is going to be a great altar call. I'm expecting 200 people to get saved this morning. We cannot do right on our own. It's impossible. 
And the problem is sin. We were talking about this in Bible study. The problem is not culture. The problem is not politics. The problem is not every person who is other or not like us. The problem is always sin. But here's the glory of God. Is that in his great love and kindness, he sent Jesus Christ to do what we couldn't do. This is also about God bringing his supernatural power to where we live to change our problems. Verse 23 of Matthew 1 says, Look, the virgin will conceive a child and give birth to a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Wherever Jesus went, he brought supernatural power. I, am, I get so frustrated over time. People say, Saying, but I can't, but they won't, but we can't, but I'm unable, but God. Right? Either we serve God or we don't, and if we don't, go home. Really? I mean, the choir was great, right? But, I mean, there's better shows in Johannesburg. Did you know that? If God can't change your situation, why do you a Christian? That's the whole point, is that the baby came and it was Emmanuel. It was God with us. So this is why we celebrate at Christmas. I know Jesus wasn't born on December 25th. How many of you, you're aware of that, right? I had someone tell me the other day, yeah, no, that's, that's the day. So how did we know that he, he, he wasn't? I, yeah, you didn't know that. You're going to ask me next about the Easter bunny, aren't you? This is the time when we celebrate his birth. We don't know the date of his birth, but this is why we celebrate. It is the joy of the miracle birth. It's the miracle of power, and that's why we celebrate. But at the same time, Christmas, unfortunately, has these negative things that run through it. You see the rage of Herod. Verse 16, when Herod saw Eisman had tricked him. He became furious and he began to kill the children. Herod's a picture of the devil. Right? The devil hates Christmas. Can we agree on that? Amen. I'm glad at least half of us can agree on that. A couple of years ago, you know how Christmas falls on a different day uh, every year. Well, you know, a few years ago, it was on Sunday. I had people calling me. Hey, pastor, so we're not having church on Christmas, right? Because, you know, we want to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, by not going to church. Okay. You know, the devil hates Christmas. And he'll do whatever it takes. But we see this uh, uh, in more than just Herod. Christmas is a reminder to the devil of his loss of power. First John 3, verse 8, For this purpose the Son of God was made manifest to destroy the works of the devil. So the devil is always trying to attack and ruin Christmas for people. And it's different uh, in every family. It's different in every city. But there's always something working against Christmas. We also see in our scripture, there's the emotional cost in Christmas. There's this sadness, Matthew 2.18. It says, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation, weeping, weeping. 
mourning, Rachel weeping for her children because they are no more. She was weeping because the spirit of the enemy had come in to destroy all the baby boys. But listen, that's the spirit that comes through Christmas. And listen, the devil operates seasonally. There are periods when he increases his assault. This is how he operates. He turns up the heat in Christmas time, doesn't he? Because we've got excuses. We've got all these reasons, right, uh, why we shouldn't. Uh, you know, partly I believe it's symbolic. I believe the enemy attacks God's people during Christmas because he absolutely despises the symbolism of Christmas. He despises what we're celebrating. You know, I don't know if you guys use this phrase. Americans say, you know, it gets his goat. Anyone use that phrase? It's, you know, a, a goatee, you know. A goatee, right? If you grab someone by their goatee, I got his goat. Oh. You know what really gets the devil's goat? Is that even at Christmas time, sinners talk about Jesus. Man, you got clicks. You got spar. You got Woolworths putting up Christmas stuff. And the devil's like, heck no. He hates Christmas. And that's why. We're under attack, always at this time of year. But I want to talk to you about the Christmas assault for a moment. Number one, it is a season of temptation. If you look at the Christmas story built into it, it's the story of someone pressuring the wise men to do wrong. Verse 8, when Herod sent them to Bethlehem, he said, Go search. When you've found him, bring me word that I can come and worship him. But think about what is literally being said. A wicked king tells righteous men, I want you to do what I said. I know that this is Christmas, but I want you over here. Isn't that what he's saying? He's saying, I know that at Christmas time you're going to go worship Jesus. You're going to go be in your church, but sorry, uh, uh, business isn't closed on Christmas Day, right? This is the wicked king now trying to get God's people off track. But we see this across the board. The pressure to do wrong is intensified at Christmas time. There's many of us. We're going to have contact during Christmas with unsaved family that we don't see the rest of the year. Right? You know, family's interesting, isn't it? How many of you, let, let's be honest, just for a moment. This is, this is not part of my sermon. I just want to kind of get a feel for... How many of you, you've got that one relative that's like kind of weird? Okay, and, and if you can't think of one, it's because it's you. You're the one. <laughs> you know, holidays are, no, that was a dirty trick, was it? I should have even gone there. You know, holidays, you find yourself with family. We don't talk to them. I've got family members. I don't talk. I don't even think it. But then all of a sudden, oh, oh hey, yeah. Uh, Bill, Bill, how's it going, Right? But a lot of them aren't saved, are they? Now all of a sudden, we're back in that. That thing we came out of. We're back with, you know, uh-oh, it got quiet. You know, salvation, the, the word actually means to come out, right? So, but now all the, we're back in that mix. For others, it's travel, right? That's inescapable. I get it sometimes, but we're away from the good influences now. 
We're going to be off, you know, uh, wherever it is we may be away from Christians or godly friends that will give you strength. Then at the Christmas season, uh, on the job, it gets different, doesn't it? There's always the Christmas party, right? And they're going to invite you. Your boss, who doesn't care two licks about you the rest of the year, all of a sudden, you better be at the Christmas party. It's mandatory. But why? Give me my Christmas bonus and let me go home. Sorry, there's no Christmas bonus. I spent it on the Christmas party that you have to go to. But what are they doing, right? All of your coworkers, they're all getting drunk, right? And, and then they're like, hey. Right? So it's a different kind of a season. The whole temperature of all of life changes. This also involves the expectations of unsaved people. You know, unchristians don't think like Christians, right? They're, uh, they, they don't understand why you don't want to go and do what you used to do with the family or your friends. Then there's religious and cultural expectations. How many of you know the Bible is above every culture? Amen. That's true whether you like it or not. Every single culture and whatever it is uh, in our lives, whatever it is, whether it's just the culture of the workplace or of the town we live in or of our family, what God says is preeminent because if this is the divinely inspired word of God, the word of God is not allowed to bow to what man says. Otherwise, he's not God again. But this is what happens, isn't it? Christmas time. People are like, hey... Right? I, I've been teaching you guys some Navajo, right? Yeah. Don't you know? This is, right? I, sorry, I, I, you, I'm gonna, you, you guys aren't going to get anything I'm about to say. But that's how it is, right? Hey, this is what we do at Christmas time. This is what, you need to respect the family. Ooh, some of you have heard that one, haven't you? You need to respect the family. I know we're all broke and drunk and divorced, but you need to respect us all of a sudden. So this is what happens at Christmas is there's this pressure now. It's a, it's a season of temptation. Then it's also a season of depression. You know, according to many studies in many different nations, Christmas time is the most depressing time of the year. Statistically, domestic violence is up. Drug and alcohol abuse is up. In most places, the suicide rate goes up during Christmas. And the reason, uh, I believe, is false expectations. You know, life is just like this, but then we come to Christmas and we expect it to be better. Right? We, we think, okay, this is the good time. Now, it's, this, oh, December, we're going to have, but then it's not. It's just normal, isn't it? It's just life. you got to get up and go to work again. You, your kids are still like they were yesterday, and nothing's really changed. And these expectations now, this is fed by the media. You know, the media tells us how we're supposed to celebrate Christmas, Right? You've got to have this or do this or eat this or go there. And, you know, most of us, we can't afford to do that. And so we don't live up now the curse of social media, right? I'm just checking. It's still working, right? Social media is the worst thing that has ever happened to the world. Because, you know, let, let's be real. It's all fake. It is all fake, you know, the WhatsApp status shouldn't be called the WhatsApp status. It should be called the WhatsApp imagination station. Because, you know, it's like, you know, the guy's like, 
sorry, just getting my breakfast, right? You know, and then you got the people, they'll do this, right? They're going to go and find a spot, you know, oh, the light's good over here. Hold on. Oh, Proverbs. Get my cup of coffee, right? You know, get it all staged, right? And then you got to do your, your uh-oh, I'm, I'm busting some people this morning. I'm busting some people. And then you get your, just before the Lord, right? And then once the picture is good, all right, good, let's go to work. Oh, come on now. But see, here's the problem is that everyone else is fake just like you. And so when you look and you're like, oh, they did what? Look at where they, they're not there. They photoshopped that. Right? They didn't buy, those are empty boxes. They don't have all those presents under their tree. <laughs> but this is what happens. I, I, I'm poking fun, but this is the spirit, isn't it? It's always it's expectation of something better. Everyone else's lives are so good. Why am I so depressed? I've had people, uh, you know, say, well, you, you're so happy all the time. Hey, sweetheart, let me let you in on a secret. I'm normal just like everybody else. Life is real for everybody. People compare their emotions to what they assume everyone else is thinking. They compare their celebration to what they believe everyone else is doing. And so then this discouragement and depression comes. And then you find people, they will yield to temptation in order to try to make Christmas happier. The number of times I've counseled people, they got drunk at Christmas time, and they've been, they've been dry for years. Why? Because it's like they're feeling, I've got to be happy. I've got to be people who fornicate this time of year or give their lives into something they shouldn't. But there's also this spiritual torment. Think about Joseph and Mary. They're far from home. They're away. They're nowhere near their family. They have no support group. They're alone in a foreign land. Listen, that's what it's like for some people. If we don't experience uh, what we think we should, and the devil uses Christmas to remind people and to torment them of everything they're missing. Years and years ago, my mother passed away, and... One of the things that was strange to me was that I had a family member that for a long time, every holiday, at the holiday, would set a place setting for my mom. That's creepy. <laughs> right? That's weird, man. And it was like, you know, I mean, what would you do if that fork picked up all of a sudden? <laughs> Uh, right, that's a bad, I don't, but you know what? There's a lot of people, they live their whole lives like that. It comes to Christmas time, it's like, and I get it. I've buried a lot of people that I really love. But here's the problem, is at Christmas time, is it the devil begins to work on that. He begins to pull it, and he begins to pour salt in and, and pour on you. This is what you're missing, whether it's people, whether it's money, whatever it is. And so the devil will use Christmas to remind you and torment you. And it's also a season of dishonor. Think about our scripture. The wise men are coming to honor the king with their gifts. 
But Herod wants to change that. He wants to turn it into something that is dishonoring the king. That's what we've seen in the modern world. It's the transformation of Christmas uh, giving into greed and materialism that dishonors the king. Uh, you know, uh, this is a, a global phenomenon that Christmas now, it's all about me, right? What am I going to do? What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? What am I going to get? You know, there's, um, you know, there used to be way back, some of you young kids, let me tell you about how the world used to work. If you wanted to get a hold of something, you'd get paper. You don't know what paper is. It's a slice of a dead tree. <laughs> I'm just messing. You would write on it, and then you would fold it up, put it in an envelope, and then, did you guys have the licking stamps here? You know, postage, right? And put it in, and then weeks later, maybe they would get it, and they would read it, right? And then they would write back, LOL, you know, fold it up, you know, mail it back. Well, kids used to write letters to Santa. I, I don't know if they still do. Maybe, they, maybe there's, there's a Santa email address now. But in New York City, they would collect all of these Santa letters. They would open them. Sometimes they would answer them. Uh, but it's interesting because you can find collections of these letters. One that I found. A child wrote to Santa, Dear Santa, you probably think he's going to be asking you like for peace on earth or something. Oh, no. You didn't bring me anything good last year. <laughs> People write, I go, I know exactly how you feel, little man. You didn't bring me anything good the year before that either. This is your last chance. <laughs> Signed, Alfred. Now, most of us are mature enough. We would never say that, especially as adults. Even when we've got kids, we smile, don't we? We tell our kids, oh, no, it's, it's not about getting. It's about giving. And you know what? Most, you know, at some point as an adult, you get to the point where opening a present isn't a big deal. But we feel what we're lacking very clearly, don't we? We get up at Christmas and we think, I bet those people across the street, I wonder what they got. Are you stick your head out the window? What are they cooking? Because that's what's happened. Is something has gotten inside of us where it's about us. It's the worldly expectations of materialism. And so the problem is sometimes we try to measure up. People go into debt at Christmas time. They'll spend money they don't have on things they don't want. And ultimately, become miserable. I've watched over the years many people, they lose their way at Christmas time. Just so sad. When you think about the very first Christmas when it was really about us finding our way, wasn't it? It was about seeing the star and finding our way to Jesus. And now in this modern world that's full of Christians that they lose their way. Christmas time, oh, I'm going to be with family. I'm going to have to do the traditional stuff that they don't. You've lost your way. There's a better way. So I want to talk about Christmas survival for a moment. There is help for you in the Christmas season. In our scripture, God shows us how this works. He speaks in advance to prepare you. Verse 12, then being divinely warned in a dream 
They went the other way. This happens in many ways. It happens like I'm doing right now through preaching. This is God warning. This happens through the encouragement of Christian men and women or friends and family. This happens in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will tell you, watch out for that. Be careful of that person. Be uh, mindful. First Peter 5, 8 says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But listen, this is my encouragement, is that God wants to meet with Christmas. This doesn't have to be just this season. I, you know, it's funny. I talk to pastors all the time, and this is what the conversation always is in December. All right, well, you know, ish, man, everyone's out of town. We got to wait till January, then we'll get back on with it. Garbage. Forget that nonsense. This is Christmas. I fully intend to meet God this month. My relationship with God isn't on pause for another 15, 20 days until the holiday season is passed because God wants to meet with you. The whole point of Christmas was God with us, that our relationship with God this time of year could be greater. It could be on a higher level. Uh, we could function deeper in the worm. Listen, he can help you to live a new life in the face of temptation. He can help you to break depression off your life. Listen, depression is based on serving the wrong God. Right? Because the God that can will. Right? But you are serving the God that can't. I was talking in Bible say Some people have their little God. He's cute. But he can't really help me. He couldn't help me in my finances. No, no. Only the university could help me with my finances, right? That little guy, he couldn't heal my marriage, right? I'm going to have to go and talk to, you know, my, my auntie who's been divorced seven times, right? God can help you this year. God can meet you this year. And so uh, you, the key is making right decisions. Verse 12, they departed for their own country another way. These men were on a path and God spoke to them and they said, we are changing our path. They didn't stomp their feet and say, no, but I'm right. They didn't say, but I insist. My mom told me or my society says, they said, God, I'm going to listen. I'm going to take another path. We're not going to let Herod call the shots anymore. We're not going to let the devil tell us how to go or how to live in ways that are destructive to my life. They made up their mind to take a different path. And then they took practical steps to protect themselves. It says they went to their own country by another way. They, they were being strategic about this. Can, can I just be blunt with you? There are some places you shouldn't go. Amen, Pastor Heimberg. Thank you so much. What are they, Pastor Heimberg? You already know. You want me to say it so you can blame me. Right? But you know, there's things. You know it's a risk. Right? It might be people. It might be literal places. It might be places in here. But it says, these wise men being warned said, you know what? You're right, God. We're going all the way around. We're not going to that place. We're going to find a different way. There's maybe people that you shouldn't be with. You know, uh, Herod is bad for you. 
He really is. You need accountability, maybe more so this time of year. I am concerned with Christians who will isolate themselves. They might be physically present, but some people, they come to church, hi, hi, please don't talk to me, please. No, praise God, I'm right here. They don't want to talk to anybody, right? Their number changes every fourth day. <laughs> they do that here. Man, they do that in Gallup all the time. Every time I call someone, I'd get a call, and I'd be like, who is this? Hello, hey, pastor, who is this? It's me. What are they, man? Why are you changing your number all the time? Because you don't want to be accountable? You need accountability. You need, you need to have someone in your life, a good Christian, who can call you up and say, hey, you're being a knucklehead. You should stop. Amen. Just go like this. It's good for you. This is our desperate need, but what we see in this story is there is blessing in the Christmas season. These men, when they simply did what they were supposed to do, they honored God. They showed up where the king was. They gave these gifts, their worship. They didn't give in to Herod. Listen, Christmas is about the king. It's about the king that we serve and our honor of him, how we give him respect and reverence. I believe every Christian ought to ask, how can I honor Christ this Christmas season? I think that's healthy. Next Sunday, I mentioned for Boxing Day, that's what we're doing. That's what Christians do. That's how we honor the king is we do what the king does. He said, if you give uh, even one of the least of these whether it's a food or you've done it for me. Listen, that's what a Christian does at Christmas time. They blessed other people. Joseph and Mary survived in Egypt because of the gifts the wise men brought. Isn't that right? That's how they were able to afford the journey. You know, Christmas time, there's people you need to pray for. You need to encourage those who are vulnerable. Those, maybe you see they're struggling, they're fading in and out like a bad channel on the radio station. Maybe invest in them, encourage them, talk to them. This is bigger than you. And ultimately, we see they are honored by God. You know, it's interesting. You read about the wise men. They're these mythical creatures, right? And I've read all you know, the commentaries, the stories. The, the simple truth is nobody knows who these guys are. There's no, we have no name. We don't know where they came from. We don't know where, they, and, and for all we know, they could have just been regular guys, right? We have, we're stuck on this that the Bible called them wise men, right? That they, you know, they were like these, we three kings are traveling around. We picture them, you know, they had all. I don't think that's the case. You know what I think is? Is there's three guys, they were paying attention and they saw the star. They said, hey, I think we need to go see what that is. Well, if it is what we think it is, we better take a gift. And they did. And after they went, then God said, three wise men. Because, listen, I want to tell you, the honor of God is always on those who honor him at Christmas time. This wasn't their title. This was God's statement about them. In 2018, Layla Anderson who's battling a rare and deadly autoimmune disease. She had a life-saving bone marrow transplant in January of 2019. It wasn't until Christmas 
uh, of 2019, the 11-year-old girl met the bone marrow donor who saved her life. At this event, uh, she met uh, Kenton Femley. He was a pre-med student at the University of Kansas for the first time. Femley was moved to tears during the meeting. He told Layla, you mean the world to me. And even though I've never known you, I feel like I love you. The little girl looked up at him and said, I am so happy. I don't care if we go to dinner or we go to Disney World or anywhere. I just want to be with you. I want to tell you that is how Christians should be at Christmas. Jesus saved your life. He saved your eternal soul. He saved your family. Just like this little girl was saved. I think this is how Christians should respond at Christmas. I don't care what we do. I don't care what song we sing. God, I just want to be with you. Amen. Let's bow our heads together just for a moment. Thank God every head is bowed. Every eye is closed.